Sustainable, the podcast, is listened to in 20 countries over five continents and features inspiring interviews with leaders of sustainable practices. With your host, Tabby Jane, CEO and founder of EarthSelf, creating a global movement to educate leaders and organizations on the transformative power of nature-centered business. In episode 37, I spoke to Andy Middleton, Executive Director of the TYF Group, an employee-owned social enterprise in St David's, Pembrokeshire. TYF's mission is to help children, students and adults develop the confidence and skills they need to change the way they play, think and work. Today, I'm speaking with Morag Garden. Morag Garden is the Scottish Whiskey Association's Head of Sustainability and Innovation, a role she took up in 2007. Her career began and has always remained in the environmental lobbying arena, working with a number of industry bodies. Her career started in Scottish Water, covering a range of roles from laboratory through to environmental policy. She has also taken a number of secondment opportunities during her career, including a year with the Scottish Government developing diffuse pollution policy. She was delighted to move from water to whisky eight years ago and to be working for Scotland's most exciting and first truly sustainable industry. She moved to Edinburgh for university and has only ever been away for brief periods. She's a jack of all trades when it comes to hobbies, from climbing and walking through to softball. Welcome, Morag. It's great to have you on Sustainable today. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. So the Scottish Whiskey Association has just recently refreshed its environmental strategy and has now got some pretty ambitious targets. Can you tell us more about this? Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we think Scottish Whiskey is very much a product of the natural environment. It's iconic, it's recognised globally, and it's only made from three raw materials, which is water, cereals and yeast. So we rely on fertile land, we rely on rainfall and high quality high quality water supply so um, to protect these viable resources um, we've always believed in sustainability and take our environmental responsibilities seriously so we kind of think this environmental strategy is a clear signal to our collective and bold ambitions and environmental priorities Um, the, the strategy sets challenging voluntary goals in important areas for our sector and our stakeholders and more importantly for the for the environment. And it's split into four areas broadly, which um, I can sort of work through if that's Please. what you would I would like. love to hear yeah. them, yeah. Okay, so the strategy is kind of four main themes and the targets are um, split between 2020 and 2050. So the first one I would say is uh, reducing energy use and greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so we're saying there that we want to, by 2050, have um, 80% of our primary energy will come from non-fossil fuels. And things that can be things like anaerobic digestion, solar power. And we also want to improve our, um, continue to improve our energy efficiency. Um, and this will be in line with the regulatory climate change agreement um, set by government. We've also added, also the second theme is responsible water use. Um, water's a priority for us, as I said, it's one of our, <laughs> we've got few ingredients, one of them is water, um, and we just need to make sure that we optimise and use that most efficiently where possible. Um, so the, the, the target there, we've got a 10% reduction target and we have some other goals to really kind of think about that, um, the holistic 
um, catchment wide and other kind of regulatory legislation that SEPA um, has under that area. Then the third one's embracing a circular economy. Um, and that's really making sure that we're using all our resources for as long as possible and at the highest value as possible. Um, and so we originally had packaging targets, four of them, which um, brings about increasing the recycled content, um, reducing the, the weight, making sure everything's recyclable and minimizing um, or removing uh, any um, waste to landfill. And so they're, they're in there and we're also, as part of that, looking at our um, byproducts as well. That's another area where we want to sort of explore and at the moment our byproducts are used in animal feeds and we've been moving recently to, to our energy use and we just really want to see what else we can do with the volume to keep the value of our byproducts as much as possible. And the final one is sustainable land use. And that's really goals there. This is a sort of area which is early early in our thinking and um, you know it's really there to start to allow us to have really robust and interesting conversations with our supply chain and, and key stakeholders and it's all about securing a, a high quality um, raw material cereals as well as wood and thinking about and that also includes encouraging the use of wood sourced from sustainable oak forests and manufacturing our new casks. Yeah. So, I mean, within those four areas, something that I'm just kind of like curious about, you know, because you've got responsible water use there. And I suppose that there's a perception in Scotland that it rains a lot and we have lots of water. So why do we need to have responsible water use? I mean, yeah, that's quite an interesting conversation. It's probably the conversation we've, we've had. And I think the, there's, there's two things here. I mean, firstly, as I mentioned, we've only got three raw materials that produce Scotch whisky, one of them being water. So having so, having so few raw materials, we need to make sure that, that our strategy is protecting all of them. And so water is very important and critical to our product, so therefore we want it to be in our strategy and, and, and in as a priority. Um, and secondly, that, you know, it's... We may, and we definitely do, at times have plentiful water in Scotland, probably sometimes too much, but we need to make sure that as a sector we're being um, sustainable and we're optimising our uses and we're being efficient and we're not wasting water and we're thinking about where we're using this water. So the strategy and the targets just really allow us to have those conversations and, and, and start looking at that as a sector. Yeah, and I mean I suppose it's fascinating when you think about that because you're thinking even beyond the industry, how do we make sure that not only do we have water to continue producing whisky, but how do we have water to continue to water the residents so to speak and you know, God forbid that something should happen in the climate, how do we make sure that we're accommodating that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly. So who knows where the, the climate change and, you know, the, sort of the, the predictions are going there. You know, there's lots of theories and models, but there's lack of detail there at the moment. So we just want to make sure that we're in good shape and we're thinking about one of these kind of key areas of the environment in Scotland as we go forward. Yeah, so I, I, I really like that because what I'm hearing you say here is that we're, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, so we're just going to make sure that we are prepared and that we're doing things responsibly so that we can preserve the future as much as we possibly can in this place of unknowing. Yeah, I mean, it's just making sure that as a sector we're resilient and, um, you know, resilient and, and, and we've been here for 500 years and we, do, we want to be here for another 500 years. Yeah, yeah. So then... You have this big vision with these four key areas. I mean, how on earth are you going to achieve this in practical terms? 
Um, well, we're not starting from nothing because uh, the, the strategy was um, initiated in 2009. And the, so the main thing here, I think, is, is collaboration and working with our members. So the thing that we're really proud of in terms of the strategy is that it's um, the environment area is non-competitive and that under the umbrella of the Scotch Whiskey Association really allows our members and companies to work together and share ideas, um, look at research together, learn from each other and just you know, as a sector move forward on the sustainability journey. Yeah. So then just just to make sure that I've kind of like understood this correctly. So you have obviously lots of different whiskey companies underneath you and actually they're coming together and they're working together. They're sharing resources and they're all helping each other out. Broadly, I mean, it's more. I think if if you can think of it as we've got um, a, a huge suite of members underneath us. Some of them are big international, multinational companies, and some are family-owned small distilleries. So some of the the big companies have the resources to do leading and innovative change, and sort of taking that risk in terms of what new technology could support them. And through being part of an environmental strategy, the other member companies who maybe are more risk-averse will take up these technologies at a later date, but because it's under the strategy, it's just moving everybody forward more quickly and at a faster pace. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. So it is the the focus of the overall overall goal. And I mean, even in terms of collaboration, I'm reminded of an interview that I did with Mark Simmers from Celtic Renewables, who's just developing technology for byproducts. So it's it's even interesting seeing that there's collaboration out with the sector going on as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's um, within our strategy. We've highlighted that as one of the how we would deliver on this program, and that is to facilitate the development of innovative research and and kind of help help deliver on that strategy. And that's going to be in collaboration with the universities, researchers, as well as our supply chains and the government. And um, you know, Celtic Renewables is one of the examples which is in our um, 2015 progress report. But there's 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 many other examples in there showing what we're already doing to help deliver on these strategy targets. Yeah, yeah. And I like that because, I mean, it's it's something that Mark had said in his interview, which I'm hearing is it really applies to, to what you're doing as well. He was saying, well, what we've been able to achieve has been down to the power of collaboration and leveraging our, our connections and our networks. And I'm hearing you say the exact same thing. I mean, literally, we wouldn't be able to do this without the support of the government, the universities, other companies, our members. We're, we're all coming together to support this. Yeah, and I think that's the added advantage of our environmental strategy is that we have set out all our key areas where we find that you know these are the most important areas under the environment where we need to be focusing on in the next um, 10, 15, 20 years. And it just allows us that conversation with all the people that are that are in that jigsaw that need to help deliver on it. And it just you know gives that sort of, A, we can start in the conversations, but also identifying where we need to work together. Yeah. So you said that this sustainability strategy has been in place since 2009, and this is obviously the refresh and the update. So what are some of the successes that you've already had in with your environmental strategy? Um, in terms of the, the successes, the 2015 um, progress report, which is on our website, kind of really highlights under the case studies all the kind of great work that's been done um, already. I think one of the major successes that we um, have done over the last five years is under uh, renewable energy. And some of our big sites have had real investment into renewable energy plants and utilising their byproducts to produce energy on site and to also export back into the grid. 
grid to help with the government's renewable target as well. So I'd say that's one of the key successes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything else that is, is 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 worth talking about today? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've done quite a lot of things on our packaging. So under under the, the environmental stress, well, under our progress reports, which we have five of them, there's a range of them there. Um, but one of them in um, the 2015 report highlights how that a company has looked at packaging and used to have metallized tins, uh, metal tins as part of their sort of secondary packaging. And what they've done is worked with their packaging supplying company and come up with an innovative new process called cold foiling. So that allows the technique to have a metallic finish on the pack, but it allows the finished pack to be easily recyclable. Yeah. No, that's really, really cool. And one of the things that I love, I mean, you've just said there that, you know, you've got five progress ports. I mean, why are you so meticulous in sharing your progress? Uh, well, it's just one of the, I mean, it's just an important, it's just that ongoing conversation that we need to have to help us actually deliver this. We're not going to be able to deliver our environmental targets on our own. We've got to do it in, in, in line with others. And that conversation in our strategy of progress report, let people know what we've done, where our challenges are, where we're looking next. It's just part of that whole kind of collaboration. Yeah. And one of the things that I really like about the Scotch Whiskey Environmental Strategy is that it's unique and it's the only one of its kind that covers an entire Scottish industry. So looking at other industries, why is it important for them to potentially take this approach that you've done? And do you have any advice that you can share for them to help them get started? Yeah, I um we, we actually, that's one of the reasons, another reason for our refresh or, or, or being able to sort of public, public uh, communicate it so widely is that we want to inspire others um, in Scotland and other sectors to, to work collaboratively with government and the regulators and investors to, to, to move on the sustainability journey together. We want to be advocates to others on that one. I think the, the thing for us, it's, and it's down, uh, in part down to having a sector environmental strategy, is we have a very good business relationship with SEPA, the environmental regulator. So our strategy allows us to have these kind of beyond compliance conversations with our regulator and moving away from just the, the perimeter of the operational site, which is dealt with by environmental regulations, and just really looking at how can we help change the, the world and, and, and help support them on their one planet prosperity. So what we're going to do alongside SEPA is actually go out and hopefully talk to different sectors and give them an overview of what we've done, what our challenges have been, what do we see the success, what what, what, what can others do. Yeah, so it almost sounds like the first thing that they can do to uh, get started on their journey is speak to you and figure out what you've learned from this process and how they can apply it to their own industry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is definitely one of the things. And we work with Scotland Food and Drink and others to try and sort of communicate that um, at the moment and we'll hopefully be doing more with SEPA. Excellent. Excellent. So who do you most admire and why then? And this can be personally or it can be professionally. All right. Well, I, I don't think about that question. So I put down James Lovelock, the originator of the Gaia theory. I read his book in first year at university, and you know it was just amazing. And he was just so forward thinking ahead of his time. And um, about five years ago, I actually heard him speak at the Edinburgh Book Festival, which was quite um, a joy. Yeah, yeah. No, he's 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 quite an amazing man. And what I love about him is he's one of the few independent scientists who has really had a successful career. And you know, even the story I I always find what I I loved about the story that he was sharing is it was when he was going for long walks and observing the countryside that he was walking in that helped him come up with his idea for the Gaia hypothesis. 
that's just me I, I, I pay attention to anything it's like oh inspired by nature there fantastic <laughs> so how has this focus on sustainability impacted the way that you live your daily life then um, I think it's probably the other way around where I've just always had quite strong environmental principles and that's led me into having a job which also follows follows my environmental principles. You know, I, I try to think about and conscious about my carbon footprint wherever possible. And so, you know, in terms of commuting to work, I cycle or walk, take the bus. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I try and choose a train for journeys. I also have friends and family who I love to come and stay in my flat and there's really only one rule in my flat now, so I have to recycle. <laughs> Wonderful. I like that. Come, 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 but here's the rules and come into the yeah. warm space. <laughs> So then, what are some of the key resources that you've used as you've been developing um, your environmental principles? I mean, apart from the James Lovelock, who you're saying that's really inspired you, obviously his work, is there anything else that has been instrumental in your journey? Um, I suppose just being inquisitive and um, always asking questions. So, which in this job under the Trade Association and, and working on this environmental strategy is definitely a good foundation to getting a good strategy to talk to people and just sort of find out what what the problems are, what the concerns are and how we together can work on those solutions. Yeah, yeah. And do you have a, a favourite memory or of a time and place in nature and, and why would this be a favourite memory? I, I, one of the, it's my favourite memory. I don't know if I can bring it back round to why it helps me with my environmental strategy but um, I went um, on Anakiga Ridge about five years ago um, which is quite a sort of famous traverse along Glencoe um, Mountains mm. and it's quite daunting and uh, and I think it was just such a gorgeous day I was there with friends it was beautiful weather t-shirt weather at the top of this hill and um, you know managed to, to get over this this ridge and feel it's a real sense of achievement yeah yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, 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 it's whether or not, because I mean, you were kind of leading into my next question, whether or not it kind of like inspires and influences your own commitment to sustainability. I mean, how does it feel to kind of be out there and have that sense of achievement and, you know, view the landscape? Because you're saying it's very daunting. It's very dramatic. I mean, that part of Scotland, I, I, I literally almost just about get shivers sometimes when I'm there, you know. So what is it about those moments that just make them special? Um, I think you know, just going hill walking in Scotland, just you can just get away from the urban area, the any kind of cars and modern technology and everything, and it just really makes you appreciate the the, the country you live in, let alone the world you live in. Yeah. So then, what is the one thing that you want people to take away from this interview that we are doing today? Um, I suppose that, I mean, the essential thing for me is, and I'm really proud of, is that this is a sector strategy and we're all working in collaboration to deliver to deliver on these targets and that it's, and this environment is non-competitive so we've got this real opportunity where all the industry work together and share in information and it's the Scotch Whiskey Association is really at the heart of that and myself and you know, really facilitate that exchange of information. Mm. Yeah, which is just a reminder for all of us on the power of collaboration and coming together to help solve basically pressing global problems. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. OK, thank you. If listening to the show has inspired you to find out more about nature-centred business, go to www.earthself.org and click on the Nature Centred tab. And as always, if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please get in touch. 
Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to Lynns Darlington, founder of Benefacto, which helps engage more professional people in meaningful volunteering. And we're going to be talking about the power of employee volunteering. See you then. New episodes of Sustainable are released every Tuesday. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Get them sent straight to your inbox by signing up at www.earthself.org. Or come on over and join the conversation on our LinkedIn podcast page.